Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Are we ready? Yes. Are we on? Yeah, we're yes. working at last. Good evening and welcome to Word in Your Ear, special 80s Word in Your Ear for, for this July. I, I don't know if there's any seats down the front for anybody who's uh, standing at the back there and uh, trying to make yourself as comfortable as possible. Uh, this evening is, is divided into, into two, two bits. In the second part, we're going to be talking about the... Uh, what we remember of the events that took place 30 years ago this week at Live Aid. <laughs> but first, you know they say there are people who need no introduction. <laughs> Claire Grogan. Yeah. Hello. It's simply, I, I sat there this afternoon thinking, what do you say before Claire? I thought, I said, that was stupid, you know, because everybody thinks the same things, you know. They've all got a very special place in their hearts for, for, for you, Claire. Uh-huh. Um, and go- the thing is, I'm such a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> if you only knew. <laughs> That's what we hope to... That's what we hope to bring out in the next half an hour. I'm glad you're, we're all on the same page. Um, but but first, well, there you are. There you are. You know, that's the yeah, that's Claire Grogan, as you can see. You know, guarantee it. It says. Um, but before we get bitchy stuff, yeah. let's cover the nice stuff. Yes. Okay, Claire. Okay. Because you know the the the, the thin the, all the thin excuse that we needed to ask Claire to come along tonight was in the shape of these two books that you've written, the one Tallulah on tour most recently. Uh, because we generally, on Word of Your Ear Evenings, we, we tend to feature people who've written books a lot of the time. We thought, Claire's written a book. It's even, we, we don't need any more excuse at all to, to call the Countess of Crouch End to come down the hill and be amongst her public. More about Crouch End later on. So... Tallulah and the Teen Titans. Tell us the Tallulah concept, first of all, Claire, because this goes back a long way, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I mean, when I 
when I met Gregory Scarrow um, with Bill Forsyth all those years ago, um, I just, there was already a clear grogan in equity. So I thought this would give me the opportunity to have a fabulous showbiz name. So I decided on Tallulah Gosh. Uh, that come from then? Well, I was a big fan of really old movies, so it was like a kind of... It was Tallulah Bankhead and actually Lillian Gish. Oh, but I right, thought Gosh was better. Yes. I thought that was even more razzmatazz. So um, I told Bill that... I said, listen, it's fine that I can't call myself by my own name. I'm going to be Tallulah Gosh. And he was like, are you sure about that? <laughs> and I went, yeah. And he went... I don't think you should do it. but And I didn't in the end. I lost my nerve. But it always lived with me. And, you know, my friends used to call me Tallulah um, as a bit of a nickname. So it was kind of alter ego, wasn't it? It was a total alter so, ego, so, yeah. So how old were you when you met Bill, Bill Forsyth and you were making, you know, a um, I was girl? 17, just turned 17. And then... So you're working in a restaurant? Somewhere? Yeah, I was working in a restaurant in Glasgow called the Spaghetti Factory after school. And uh, working were you, were as a you waitress. any good at it? Were you, were you I was a brilliant waitress. waitress. I might revisit it. I might have to. But um, yeah, no, I was. I was. I, I loved it because it's performance. It really is. It's about making people enjoy themselves. So I really genuinely loved it. And I served him one day, and he said, "I'm going to be making a film in the summer, and I think you'd be really good for it. Will you give me your number?" And I went, "No." <laughs> I will not. My mother's told me about people like you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I just, I mean, I absolutely refused point blank. And I said, you know where I am. And if you want to get in touch, contact the restaurant. I thought my mother will be so proud of me. And, um, you know, I did have the, a vision of Bill in his pants and a camcorder and me in his house. I thought, I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. I'm not ready for that experiment in life as a teenage girl <laughs> but he did um, you know he did contact the restaurant and asked me to go and meet him and once he'd convinced me that he really was making a proper film I went well alright <laughs> I'll be in your film and actually he is I love Bill I mean I think that when you're that young you don't realise or appreciate just how amazing some people are and actually Grown-ups didn't even talk to me, you know, apart from my mum and dad on occasion. I mean, I was just... You know what it's like? You're a teenager and you just feel like a total non-identity. You know, you're just like nothing. And here was a proper grown-up who thought I was interesting. And I say that in the nicest possible way. He was such... He is such an amazing man. And without Bill, I'm not sure if I'd be sitting here with you guys today. So, so let's just pick up yeah. Tallulah's oh, yeah. story. Okay. So you've got Tallulah Gosh as a kind of... As an alter ego. Yeah. But you, so you kept this idea around in your head. I did, I really... Throughout your pop career and so forth. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just... Tallulah lived with me and... Um, and then, you know, as I... I mean, I think I've told you guys before that quite a few publishers have approached me and asked me to write a memoir about those early days. And I just couldn't get my head around it because I'm actually... I think they only work if you're very, very honest... And I am a very honest person and I don't, I'm not ready to, I don't know if I'll ever be ready to tell the absolute truth of that time. Surely you'll have to. I won't, I won't. Yeah, no. So I I could, I I managed to find a a nice way of telling the story. 
by making it a kid's so story. How much, how much is yeah. it based on? Because there's, there's you're in a group, uh-huh. um, uh, yeah. Tallulah and the Teen Stars, and there's a, there's a rival group called Betty and the Bee Stings. Yeah, who right? are Susie and the Banshees. Susie and the Banshees. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. I didn't, didn't realise that. Right. And there's another yeah. one with a fantastic name. I think they're called the Candy Floss Martins. The Candy Floss Martins. Which is Martins. a genius name. Yeah. Who are they? Uh, the well, they're the band that are a bit mean to us. I mean, it's it, this is all about negotiating life, these stories about how, you know, I, I, everyone talks about writing about what you know and... I do know a little bit about this, but for me it was very much about empowering little girls. And I know there's no little girls in the audience tonight, but I really hate the notion of of people growing up think that they can't do something. Because honestly, if I can, anyone can. You know, but you just need somebody to have some blind faith in you. And also you have to work really hard. So it was just a bit of a sort of rally call to girls and boys saying, do you know what, don't let anyone put you off your dreams. Allow yourself to live your dreams, but you're going to have to work very hard and be very focused about it. Betty is based... It's meant meant to be Susie and the Banshees. Yeah. Because there's a brilliant scene where... um, I I read this terrific book this afternoon, and where, where Betty... It comes and stands at the side of the set. Now you meet her first in, mm-hmm. the, in, the, in the dressing room, and she's wearing, a, I think, a gold a gold dress and biker boots. Yeah. And you're incredibly intimidated by this person. And then mm-hmm. when you go out and play your set, she's dancing in the yeah. wings. You know. mm-hmm. I wonder if that was based on a real incident. Or Absolutely. What? I mean, Susie, Sue. Oh, it was Susie. Oh, yeah, right. we'd stand at the side of the stage and dance to altered images. That's great. That's great. I, know. <laughs> I don't. I mean, honestly, I was a teenager. I was maybe. I was still seventeen when we first toured with Susie and the Banshees, and I. I mean, I always have to say my parents were amazing because they were very strict Catholics, and I went home one day and I said, and I was still at school. Mum, I've been asked to go and support Susie and the Banshees on tour, <laughs> and they went okay. Obviously, they had no idea what I was talking about. And I, I, and I, I, I said to them years later, why did you allow me to do it? And they said, because we knew it would be a bigger mistake to not let you do it. Remarkable. Yeah. But, but yeah. she probably wasn't an awful lot older than you were. She wasn't, but she seemed... She seemed a, a lot. Uh, she seemed a lot older, and she was totally terrifying. Right. I mean, I, I do know Susie a little bit now, and I'm still terrified of her. I actually thought I'd get over it, but I still can't actually finish a sentence. I just do half sentences. I go, hi, Susie, how are... Is everything... How are the cats? Is the, the yoga? And um, are you... How's France? And I'm just like a total dickhead, you know? And, and it's because I just love her too much. And the only other person I was like that with was John Peel, of course. You know, I never right. finished it. Hey, my big chum, but I was always like, hi, John. I've got nothing to say to you because you're just too good. Um, you know? Do you know? Have you ever had those moments with people? I went to John, no. I stayed no. in John Peel's house once and he had a big picture of you in his kitchen, <laughs> which is very nice. Um, yeah. He did carry a, a torch fabric. for you, didn't he? Did. He, did. he certainly carried a torch He for was you. a lovely man. So, I want to know more about this point, about the, the you, you don't feel that you're capable of being candid enough to write a direct first-person yeah. um, autobiography. Mm-hmm. You must, seriously, when Tracy Thorne's book comes yeah. out or Louise Wenner's book comes out, you must think, damn. 
I love must, them. Those I, are really good books. They're amazing. But you must think books. I've got a story like that to tell. Do you know? It's just honestly, it's it's too tough. I, I prefer. It's too hurtful. It's too hurtful. Yeah. It. it I can't tell you. <laughs> Look at the new tabloid approach we're using here. <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't... Give us a bit of a snapshot of those times, because you were in the charts with, I, would, I think it was probably, um, it would have been Soft Cell, it would it have been Human League, wouldn't it? it would have been, I was looking uh, at an old copy of Smash Hits, I think from 1981, today, where your altered images were the most uh, hotly tipped new act, and I think Soft Cell were number two. Number two. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I can't remember who else was, was down there. It would have been but it was very, a very competitive set, though, wasn't it? The people who all came along at the same time. Unbelievable, yeah. I mean, I have to say, I was, uh, you know, I was still a music... I mean, I'll always be a music fan, but I literally used to... I, I was just a fan of it. I couldn't believe I found myself in the position I was in. And for me, it was... It, I, I mean, I'd literally do Top of the Pops and Saturday Morning Swap Shop and all the stuff and then take the boys' laundry to the laundrette because we had to fend for ourselves. I mean, we didn't have staff or an entourage or anything. It was shite. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would be like, OK, right, boys, so I'll nip down to the laundromat and... <laughs> You know, I mean, it was a crazy time. And the most I ever earned in the whole experience of Altered Images was £75 a week. And at that point, we'd really had literally sold millions of records. And do you know what? I don't care. So you're not... I honestly we need, we need, don't. We need a moment. We need an absolutely magical moment. And then a moment where you... Still, when you think about it now, you curl up under the duvet in a fetal position, weeping. Is there, is there an absolutely classic moment for Altered Images and a real desire? By the way, it, it's all shite would make a good title for the book, by the way. <laughs> it was shite by Claire Grogan. No. Well, you know, I mean, we just... I, I, it, it's really hard to express because I did have the time of my life, but I'd literally left school and went, God, I'd really like to be in a band on Top of the Pops and Tour of the World and be in a movie and all this. I mean, I was the most deluded person on the planet. And it literally all happened the summer I left school. <laughs> so I just thought, well, this is good. This has worked out rather nicely. <laughs> I bring it on. I mean, I, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I loved being in the front cover. I was, when you grow up in Scotland you're brought up with this mantra that is, nobody likes a show-off. I was a bit stuffed. <laughs> you know? And I just... And, and I was allowed to be a show-off. And people were cool about it. And until they weren't, of course. <laughs> I was going to say, was there, was there a resentment? There must have been resentment about, you know, in a case like that, where mm -hmm. clearly we wanted Claire Grogan on the cover. It works better than, you know, yeah. Claire Grogan and... A bunch of blokes. Was there resentment? Um, yeah, I mean, I think there was. I mean, I'm actually really, you know, well, obviously I married one of the band and, uh, well, that might not be obvious to some of you, but it's just a very sad fact. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I mean, there was actually, I was, I was cleaning out my mum and dad's house recently, you know, just for family circumstances, and I found a letter from the editor of Face magazine which he'd written to the record company, which was epic. And I'd, I had no recollection of it at all. 
And, they, and he said in the letter, we just think it's absolutely ridiculous. And I've been asked to write to you on behalf of a number of publications saying, why will you not let Claire be photographed on her own? And, um, you know, and, and the reason why I was, I, I was on board with that because we were socialists and we wanted, every, we were the only band on the, that I'm aware of that had the roadies signed to the record label um, at our insistence or was we the, wouldn't the, do the deal. Was that a good idea, Claire? They, uh, cheesy the roadie still gets the same cut and everything that I do. <laughs> cheesy the roadie? Uh-huh, yeah. Sorry, we're, we're, we're how many years on now? Uh-huh. And Cheesy the roadie? Yeah, Cheesy the roadie to this day sends me a Christmas card going, thanks, Claire. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. I'm Another like, great yeah, Christmas. bloody hell. I think it's more than a thank you. Loaded. Lots of love. Cheesy. <laughs> because, because Alter Newage, sorry to yeah. cut across you, was a, was a curious legal case, wasn't it? Yeah. The one did. member left very early on. Yes. And, and then wanted uh, to... And then really to have a part or something. Yeah, I mean, well, no, actually, it was just so personal. I mean, he just, he literally threw his toys out the pram and went, I don't want to be in the band anymore and I don't want you to have the fun in the band anymore without me. I mean, that's basically what it was. And it took 18 years to resolve. And finally, I never sat in a room with him again. and And I never will because there is only so much you can take in life. But I did say, okay, let's just go back to the people that we were. And I'm not trying to sound like a saint, but I thought the only way we can do this is if we decide to split the money as an even split in the same spirit that we'd signed our record deal um, with Epic, where we said we want the roadie signed, the manager signed, the T-shirt manager signed. I mean, honestly, we were ridiculous, but we really were young socialists. And I'm actually quite proud of that aspect of us. Because um, something that a lot of people don't realise was Jerry and Johnny McElhone, who were part of the band, their parents were both Labour MPs. <laughs> so in amongst all this, we'd go to the House of Commons for our tea. <laughs> and be like this behind Margaret Thatcher's back. <laughs> I'm not joking. I mean, honestly, we were like... Um, and eventually everyone agreed, but not before the lawyers and the barristers and everyone else got most of the money. Because it was recall? like Bleak House, you've described it as being like Bleak House. You yeah. Know, the, the, mm-hmm. It just dragged on for ages. And yeah. you got, there was eventually a settlement, wasn't there? Yeah. And how much, tell everybody, did you get? Yeah. I mean, Altered Images probably sold worldwide about 20 million records, which is not like the Beatles. <laughs> I do know that. But it's quite a lot, isn't it? 20 million records is okay. I got £27,000. And Cheesy did too. That's the good news. <laughs> but if you could... If you could reform the group, would you have done so? Because you've, no. you've done a few, you would never have done it. No, honestly. No. I mean, I'm not going to be dishonest about that. I have... I swear to God, it's a bit like, you know, when you at, at school and you have a set of friends, because we were incredibly young, and you have a set of friends, and I don't bear them... I really genuinely want them to be happy. Do I feel any need to get up on a stage with them ever again? No. No, it's not going to happen. No. (laughs) 
That's a fairly unambiguous answer. There we are. Do you ever meet the rest of you? Well, I see Johnny uh, McElhone, because, I mean, Johnny went on to form Hipsway and then Texas. And, um, and you know, Johnny McElhone is a really unusual person. Um, he's quite eccentric, but he really convinced me that I could write songs when I didn't think I could. So I've really... Do you know what I mean? I'd never written a song, and he went, you've got to... Claire, you're going to have to write the songs. And I was like, I'm going to have to write the songs. Why? And I wrote a lot of my very early songs with Johnny, and, and he convinced me I could do it. And, and, and I, I feel really attached to Johnny because of that, because right, he's right. quite special. Um, and, you know, I mean, I've, I'm sure I've told you this before, that Mike Chapman, who uh, produced the very last... Altered Images album, and I met him years later, and he went, produced, yeah. Produced Blondie and so forth. Uh, yeah. That yeah, yeah. And we, I just, I was such a huge Blondie fan. I said, I, I want to sing um, with the microphone that Blondie sings, all this. And I met him years later, and he said, you were the band that nearly pushed me off the cliff. <laughs> I had never met young, feisty Scottish people before and decided I was never going to work with any of them again, ever. And I was so proud. It's like, we really had that kind of impact on you. He said we, drove, it, it, we just drove him nuts. Because he was absolutely fucking brilliant. And we were going, no, I'm not sure about that, Mike. You know? yes. where, are you, where are you going wrong here, Mike? Is the, yeah. Yeah. Just, just one last question before we, before we move on. Um, but just trying to, to liberate your inner bitch. Was there any kind of, you know, a, a rivalry between all the girls singers? Because there was loads of them. There was Toya, there was Hazel uh, yeah. O'Connor. Kim Wilde. There would be yeah. Kim Wilde. Uh-huh. The nuns. The girl who had, what was it, the Japanese boy? Would that be Annika, right? Yes. You know, I mean, there were millions of... Was there any... Did you feel any rivalry with all that lot? Or? I honestly... Say you did. Say you did. Yeah. I, do you know... <laughs> I wish I had, but I didn't. I really, I was a fan and I loved the notion of girls being allowed to be in bands. Because you have to remember, there, to me, there didn't seem to be an awful lot of no, that's it. That's true. There really wasn't. Really so, you know, we had Susie Quattro and, you know, Joan Jett and, I, and Tina Weymouth in Talking Heads. I loved them. I loved every single one of them. I really genuinely did because so. We're allowed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Did you ever win most fanciable in the Smash Hits Readers Poll? <laughs> don't pretend you don't I, remember. Claire. I don't. I don't like to brag about just we, how we fabulous I am and irresistible. I don't know. I don't think I did. Uh, Sexiest person ever on the planet. I think you yeah. did. And the male equivalent was always John Taylor from Duran Duran. Yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, fine company. Yeah. So now, moving on from the from the pop career. It's yeah. the TV career. We've talked a little bit about yeah. the film career, uh-huh. Gregory's Girl and so forth. <laughs> this is... Of all the TV shows you could be in for not that long... No. Yeah. Red Dwarf is a pretty odd one, isn't it, to be in? Because its legacy continues. Yeah. I mean, I still get fan letters and How get invited to those. I mean, I'm probably about 23 there, so about... 20 years ago. <laughs> um, something like that. Um, and I, you know, I, I just... Describe the part you played. Yeah. Anybody might have I, I played um, this character called Kachansky, who was kind of Craig Charles's love interest. Um, and 
and and and do you know I had a I had a really great time doing that show, but it was actually all about the boys that show. I mean, it really was, and I loved Craig. He was very very funny, and we. We shot the first two series in Manchester and we'd go out for dinner every night and uh, Craig would walk into every single restaurant that we ever went to and went, we'll do autographs after dinner. And I honestly thought he was kidding. And then I realised he meant it. I mean, he's so funny, Craig. And, you know, I, 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 I love... But, you know, honestly, everything... Was, a lot was given to me in a plate. And then there was a point where that stopped. And... and this part was given to me on a plate and I was a bit like, well, I, do, it's not, I don't know if I've got enough words. I'm not sure. And, and then I just, I thought, yeah, no, I'm going to do this one. I mean, I was living a, an extraordinary life at that point, so I wasn't sure if I would do this and I'm so glad I did. Absolutely. <laughs> have you ever seen the movie, I'm sure you have, Galaxy Quest? Yeah. Which is a fantastic film. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a kind of mock science. It's about yeah. a science fiction show like yeah. this. And the cast are required, you know, every year to go out and uh, go on the road to these conventions uh-huh. where all the fans are. And yeah. they sign these autographs. And you've done, presumably you must have been asked to do this. Well, I did it for you guys, you, for words. You, you, you did? God, yeah. yes, of course. Because I, I had a conversation you a with you about, about it. it and you said to me, it was going, I said, I've never been. Do you think I should go? Because I have to say, oh, it, these guys yeah, have been yeah, incredibly yeah. kind to me over the years and incredibly oh, helpful. It's cost yeah. us dearly. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've phoned them up with all sorts of abstract things going, do you think, what? Yeah. And they've indulged me, so thank you so much no, for that. But I did Tell go everybody off. what it was like, because it must be so bizarre to go back and meet these really deep-end obsessives who uh, probably just go uh-huh. home and live in a place lit by a bare light bar watching episodes of Red yeah. Dwarf over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> well, I There's honest, one over there. I, <laughs> <laughs> I took a book with me, because I thought, right, I was going to have to be there for eight hours, and I thought, I can't, what am I going to do for eight hours? So I took a book with me. <laughs> And I, I don't, I, I mean, you won't remember this, but the thing that really made me laugh, I did get replaced in the series by a younger version, and she's a lovely girl called uh, Chloe Annett. And, and I didn't, you know, I, I, was a, I was a bit upset at the time, but I'm really, you have to be so thick-skinned in this business. But anyway, when I arrived at the event, which they'd been asking me to do for about, I don't know, 15 years, and I finally said yes, and they said, we've had a great idea, we're going to sit you next to Chloe. <laughs> Really? Okay. My inner bitch could have come out there. And, And, you know, as I say, I took a book with me and I literally signed autographs for eight hours and talked to people and... It was actually a really lovely thing. I've never done it again, but... And I may do another time, I don't know, but I sort of suddenly felt... I need to connect with these people. This means something to them, and it's really snotty of me to not, you know. And I, I, so I had a great day. Right. I was like this for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. Now, oh. there's a picture of you and your daughter. That's taken. How old is she there? I don't know. Well, she's four there, so she's ten now. Right, right, right. Now that was a, it was obviously a long story of you, you know eventually adopting yeah it's very difficult to do presumably i mean it's a difficult process and i think it should be and i mean i I, i'm people ask me all the time about that and i think that and i will cry you know but my daughter had the worst start in life ever yeah yeah you know and i think 
If you hold the responsibility... Tears of joy. (laughs) If you hold the responsibility of passing that child on to other people, you have to be very sure that those other people... I know I'm talking about Stephen and I now, that's where it kind of slips up, this argument. But I think you have to be very sure that that child is going to a very good place. So I think adoption should be difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And nobody would disagree. And she was... Obviously, part of the inspiration behind writing the books. Yeah. So uh, because she wouldn't read a book. Yeah, she won't read books, Ellie. So um, she talks about it all the time. She loves the idea of reading books, and she's still a bit carries like that. them around. Yeah. Just doesn't read. But she, she does. She's right. got a library corner in her room. She's never read a book. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's working on it. She's a beautiful, beautiful, funny, um, complicated girl. And but I did notice she loved gadgets. A lot, you know, because they all do. So I decided to do my Tallulah on tour book just as a download, just to try and encourage Ellie to read a book. That's great. And I did a SoundCloud with Stephen for it. So there's some of the tracks that we talk about in the book. You can listen to the music too as well. So it was kind of trying to create this interactive thing for Ellie. No, she hasn't read it. Well, that's very candid of you because, you know, I, I, that, that's the thing about kids. They, they just don't like reading, do they? It's really hard work. Yeah, I mean, she's just, she, she, she talks about it and she just never quite gets around to it. She really doesn't. And do you know what? I don't think I'd read a book until I was, and then I couldn't stop reading. Once I started, I couldn't stop. It's a practice thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's a big practice Definitely. thing. Definitely. But you, so you, yeah. what? What about the performance side of you? Does yeah. it still go on now? You yeah. still you still play? Yeah, no, I have. I mean, I um, I mean, obviously, I got approached a long time ago um, to do some of these big '80s tours, and I was like, no, I just can't imagine myself doing that. I really can't. And Kim Wilde phoned me up and she went, "Please do it, Claire. Please, it's so much fun." And who's going to say no to Kim Wilde? That's honestly. Great. But also, I remember you telling me that you know you were actually playing bigger venues. I think that you never played. Yeah. Them. Didn't you play Wembley Arena or yeah. something? And you quite rightly were saying, if someone says to you, "Would you like to go out, show off for twenty minutes in uh-huh. Wembley Arena in front of seven thousand people going mental?" Yeah. The answer is yes. Isn't actually, it? Actually, I am the no world's point. biggest show off. Why would I say no to that? Yeah. And it's, and Who else it, was on the bill on that on that package tour? Um, I think it was the Human League, yeah. Kim, myself, Brilliant. Steve Strange. All right, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah. I think you Steve. said the Human League didn't like doing their hits. No, actually, I don't think they've got involved since. And, and I really, I love Phil and, and right. I love the girls. They didn't like doing their hits? Yeah. On, on, on the, great, on the like greatest that. hits, <laughs> 80s, yeah, on the 80s tour. Yeah. Didn't like doing their eighties songs, but you know, it's it's all good. And now I have this group of very girls from Glasgow, actually young musicians who love my music. I sound so awful. And then they and they, so I have this old girl band, the all girls images, and uh, and then we do lots of really great, a lot of charity shows and stuff, and we have brilliant fun doing it, and everybody absolutely loves it. It's very silly, you know. And people say to me, do you want to record again? No. <laughs> do we ever want to put no? No, no. Actually, I'm really odd. There's something wrong with me. I just like, I just like doing the hits. <laughs> what does your daughter think about the, um, you know, mum used to be a pop star and she pops out occasionally to, to play these old songs. Does she have any kind of view on this? 
I mean, she does to a certain extent. I mean, she's quite funny about it. And I mean, she's just getting to that age, though, where I'm, I'm turning into really the most embarrassing person on the planet. But for a wee moment, she literally used to get on buses and go, do you know my mum? She's a pop star, you know. <laughs> and I'd be like, let's take it down, let's take it down. And so she, she's, she's very cute about it, actually. She really is. And she thinks it's the funniest thing when she looks at uh, videos and Stephen and I are in, you know, like, don't talk to me about love and bring me closer and stuff. And she just thinks it's hilarious yeah, that yeah, yeah. that's her dad and I, yeah. So what, are, what else is going on in the, in, the, in the Grogan universe at the moment? You've got these, you've got these books out. Uh-huh. There's a restaurant. Yeah, 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 we do. That's kind of Stephen's thing that I, you know, everyone says, are you involved? I went, yeah, I go in and everyone's like, oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah, no. We're, we're, What's your restaurant called? It's where called is it? is Bar Esteban and it's in Crouch End. And we're just about to open another one in Stoke Newington Church Street, which is going Eskoskesa, which is Scottish sister. And um, I don't mind sharing with you that my husband was is an amazing record producer. We have to say he's produced like everyone you can imagine. And then he got very, very ill and couldn't eat for a very long time and spent his whole life fantasising about food for ages. So when he got better, he said, I'm going to open a restaurant. And we went, really? <laughs> Okay, right, it would never like occurred to us ever that this is something that Stephen would do. But because he'd nearly died three times, we thought we'd better go along with it. <laughs> and he did, and it's been great, and it's 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 really good fun. Well, what kind of food does it do then? Spanish, because Yeah, and people say to him, why Spanish? And I went, I've been going to holi- on holiday to Spain since 1974. I think I've got the right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, long, long yeah. may it all continue, Claire, and yeah. continue to flourish. I've met a lot of pop stars. I've never met one who didn't complain at all. Ladies and gentlemen, Claire. Fantastic. <laughs> this podcast was brought to you by The Word.